Hello, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Moaz Hamid, the managing partner at Movement Ventures. How are you doing today, Moaz? I'm very good. I'm very good. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you for coming on. So just getting right into it, tell us about Movement Ventures and what it is. Yeah, uh, Movement Venture is a venture studio with a venture fund and a foundation attached to it. Um, there is a reason why we set it up this way, uh, which I could go through um, as we go through the conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. But our main focus is to advance disability and accessibility technology. Um, uh, and uh, because of the shortage of it today and the unavailability of tech to support people with disability, we mm-hmm. have a very large unemployment population within the disability community. Um, and disability is like, uh, it's impacting all of us basically. And even if we think today we're super healthy is one of the things that we will join in the future as we live longer. Mm-hmm. And as you know, today we live in much longer. Um, so that's what Movement Venture is about. I could go even deeper into the story of how did it came to be and how did we start it. Sure. I mean, yeah, we'll definitely get there. I want to actually ask you a little bit about your background and what led you to where you are in your career now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I started in tech very young as uh, my older brother wanted to push me away from the music industry into um, basically the tech and uh, it happened that uh, devices uh, was something um, that on the hand of my older brother mm-hmm. um, and at the time there was no smartphone yet so there was um, digital devices that called personal digital assistant uh, that basically were extension of your brain uh, vda is the short name for it um, so he used to carry a vda to work and put his note in it And I was uh, very excited about these devices. So um, it basically helped define uh, what I'm thinking about in the future as I am growing and uh, helped me welcome the idea of moving from the music to the tech world, uh, where I got my first internship with Palm, uh, the mother of the BDA companies at the time. Uh, I was 17 years old. I started writing initially. Uh, and community evangelist, uh, so leadership group and and so on. And then eventually uh, moved to the Trio, which was one of the first smartphone at the time um, that allowed you to edit document on the go and uh, do your work on the go uh, before it was a cool thing as we think about it. And that's, uh, it's not a, a long history. It's like uh, this happened during our lifetime um uh that smartphone was first and became something that is so integral in our life that um nobody could leave his home or go to office without one and even when you're in the office you're still using one um uh so uh, i started in the smartphone uh, eventually uh, became almost like a like a grandmother of the smartphone industry where people wanted to grab anyone with uh, as much experience as possible in the smartphone industry. So moved from Palm to Nordic Capital Investment uh, that created Dangar Telecom, uh, that was the main investor of HTC, the smartphone company. Uh, So HTC, our goal was to uh, launch a new consumer-driven smartphone that is uh, everybody will want to have one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it took us a lot of work, which it uh, we need another session to talk about that alone. Uh, 
uh, but it took us a lot of work and a very short amount of time we were able to create a consumer smartphone um, that basically, as I think about it today, is basically what's the stepping stone to what we're doing today uh, in tech. Um, so quickly move from there to uh, Microsoft to support Windows Mobile team and basically bring Windows Mobile to inside of the corporation and then um, uh, globally into more smartphone brands. Uh, so I ended up working with Samsung, Sony Ericsson, LG, and one awkward year where we had Palm also creating Windows Mobile for us uh, because of our love for Palm. Um, eventually, my uh, my uh, senior executive moved to Google and uh, made sure I joined him as well. Uh, so started working with them to move to Android uh, with all of these brands from Samsung to Sony Ericsson to LG, uh, mm-hmm. their go-to-market strategy, operator strategy, retail strategy. Um, and eventually, I moved to uh, Google Map team as it was um, getting grown globally and then into the Google search appliance team, and then into Google apps for government. And eventually I left Google uh, thinking about um, what else um, that is more impactful that I can do with all of this experience that I have, especially seeing things at the early days uh, from VR in early 2002 to mobile payment in 2001, 2003, um, to uh, unbanked and how can you move a large country with a large population um, to to become uh, connected to a banking system mm-hmm. uh, when they don't even have a bank account. Uh, so this exposure in early days of my career um, got me a lot of experience that uh, made me feel like I want to break free and I want to do a lot. Uh, otherwise, this knowledge will get lost and, and this experience will get lost. Um, so that's where I started uh, basically building entrepreneurship program um, that led me to what I'm doing today. Uh, so started with a first-time entrepreneur program, into media program, into um, uh, uh, basically all kind of entrepreneurship program, all the way leading to uh, a youth program where we were teaching youth problem solving and how to uh, think of uh, challenges that they're facing in their daily life and within their community and come up with ideas from them. Uh, all the way to today, uh, meeting uh, one of my dear friend, uh, took me for coffee during COVID-19 and basically um, told me about the challenges that she was facing as a uh, someone who's hard of hearing and the struggle that she faced uh, finding a job and keeping the job and uh, integrating within the corporation that was hiring hiring people with disability. Uh, so all these challenges basically led me to what I'm working on today. Interesting. So let's talk about accessibility technology and assistive technology. Is it is it one and the same thing, would you say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, In order for us to basically advance this conversation, uh, we have to simplify like the wording and um, what we're really talking about here. Um, uh, So we, because a lot of people think is like disability is like um, seeing someone in a wheelchair and that's it. Um, But in, in my definition of disability, it's like anything that, uh, block you or stop you or slowing down from uh, accomplishing your best or being your best mm-hmm. uh, or accomplishing the tasks uh, that are in front of you, yeah. um, regardless of your uh, different abilities or disabilities. 
Um, so anything that basically don't allow you to get to work, to accomplish the work that in front of you uh, and to live a productive, healthy, happy life, uh, that's for me is a disability. Okay. And other than the friend that you had who expressed, you know, the difficulties that she was facing, are there any other uh, particular reasons why this space interests you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yes, my dear friend, uh, she woke me up to these challenges that I haven't thought about, especially coming from this long tech background and this long rich history with a lot of uh, large corporation and at the beginning of technology. Um, health tech in general wasn't an area that I paid much attention to. Um, so when when she was telling me about this story, I was just beginning my career on the digital health space, learning about the space, building a couple of startups on the space. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so it woke me up to a big world challenging problem that um, all of us are facing and uh, nobody's paying attention to it or we completely um, just ignoring it and trying to keep moving forward uh, when there is a lot of things that we could do to solve it. Mm -hmm. um, so as I started talking to her and, and realizing all the pain of uh, people with disability trying to get a job um, uh, and started doing my research in the area, I quickly remembered even myself as I was starting my career um, and my struggle to basically uh, even go through job interviews mm -hmm. uh, because uh, I am different than the person who's interviewing me. Uh, so I grew up as an unverbal autistic child and uh, I started speaking very late um, and uh, I wasn't even having any conversation until I was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, so it took me a long time to even um, be able to uh, to speak full sentences. Um, and that's where um, uh, it continued with me in my adult life and basically made me uh, draw this full picture of uh, uh, that I'm not only solving for my friend and her friend who she introduced me to, uh, but I'm also solving for myself and a lot of people like me who um, have disabilities and cognitive disabilities that um, that they somehow were able to overcome, um, uh, but never thought of uh, building something to help the next person. Um, and that's basically what encouraged me and, and pushed me to take this mission further and to basically uh, speak to more stakeholders, learn more about uh, other people's challenges beyond the challenges I faced, beyond the challenges that my friend faced, um, and to basically come up with this new uh, structure that we're building move movement venture under. Um, um, uh, so I'll, I'll give it back to you to ask me more. Otherwise, I'm going to keep great. talking for a <laughs> No, let's uh, definitely keep talking. So what are some innovative ways that assistive technology can be used to improve the quality of life for people with disabilities like so there are different types of disabilities if you could like Absolutely. give an example of a disability and then a solution a tech-based solution that can be used to solve it yeah uh, absolutely for example um someone who is vision impaired or blind mm -hmm. uh the technology that is that you've been using is the stick that basically help you navigate the world and see obstacle in front of you and be able to feel the world as you walk 
Um, I met this uh, young entrepreneurs from Mexico who uh, is building a device, for example, uh, that is uh, similar to uh, the big uh, light in, in the heart of Iron Man. Uh, yes, uh, there is a tech device that is leveraging LADAR technology. Uh, it's called Strap that basically a blind person wear in their chest and it helped them basically navigate obstacle uh, in front of them as they walk in the world. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, if there is a tree branch coming toward their head, it alerts them by tapping them in the top. There is something coming toward your head. Mm -hmm. So you can tilt your head and, and uh, be able to... Uh, uh, just safely uh, walk under it. Uh, if you're pivoting from your straight line, it helps you go back to your straight line. If there is a step going up, it adapts you to alert you. There is a step going up and how high up or a step going down and how low down um, uh, based on where you are walking in the world. Uh, this is just one example. Um, uh, another example, which even further away from what people think about uh, in terms of disability, uh, which is this father who's building in uh, the epilepsy space, uh, his child had epilepsy, so he have seizures from time to time. And uh, the way we work with medication today, um, the doctor tell you take a, a bill every three hour or six hour. Mm -hmm. um, so in order for his child to basically um, have a, a good life, you have to take this uh, seizure medication that help reduce the severity of the seizures. Uh, but the medicine is organized per hours, um, while the seizures are not organized per hour. They could happen randomly at any time, at any moment, for any reason. Um, so how can you basically introduce the medicine at the right time in, uh, in order for you to reduce the doses that a child is taking? Mm -hmm. um, because today when you give them, when you give them so many doses to uh, help slow down the seizure, basically you're reducing the quality of life that they have. So he's building this technology that allow him to study the seizures as they happen and the severity of the seizures to be able to predict before they happen and, uh, and then be able to introduce the medicine then and see how the medicine impact um, these seizures. Um, so this is another technology uh, to a third one, uh, which is in the concussion space, uh, uh, where a founder uh, I met recently, um, unfortunately, in his top of his career as a football player in college, uh, got hit in his head and got a concussion and collapsed in the field, mm -hmm. um, lost his ability to speak and to walk. Uh, and it took him time with help of a neuroscience professor to basically recover and get off from bed again. And uh, he's not fully recovered yet, but in his way to full recovery. Uh, but he was able to get up from bed and go back to school again, get his MBA and PhD. And now everything they did for him to get him out of bed um, and into moving again and into speaking again, he's building it as a tech app to help people deal with the effect of concussion mm. um, and basically um, uh, uh, help you um, deal with all the side effects of it from loss of memory to lose of focus to loss of speech. 
uh, to lose of balance uh, and so on and to keep you going through these sessions and motivate you uh, yeah. to basically uh, get up and recover. These are some of a small example of some of the entrepreneurs we're working with today, uh, but there are a lot more um, and they are some of the most innovative uh, ideas I ever seen, especially for someone who's been building entrepreneurship program for the last seven years of his life. Uh, so seeing like thousand applications a year, working with 50 to 100 entrepreneurs a year, mm. uh, you think you've seen everything, uh, but I'm, I'm getting so uh, inspired by all the entrepreneurs that I'm meeting who are building in the space today. Wow. And what's the size of this market? Yeah, so uh, so surprisingly, uh, just to I was in a session the other day, and one of uh, our board member in a nonprofit foundation that is focusing in the disability space um, uh, quoted someone who said that uh, this is the only club that all of us will become eventually a member of. Mm -hmm. uh, so today we think of disability as something that is not touching uh, us as healthy people. Uh, but in reality, when you look at the data, uh, every seven seconds, someone is going blind. 90% um, uh, of children who are born, uh, who are hard of hearing and, and deaf today, they're actually born hearing and to hearing parents. Uh, so this could be anybody's child. It could be anyone, uh, God forbid, an accident as well. Uh, one of my dearest friends who's a lawyer was driving home after work. Uh, stopped at the red signal, someone driving very fast behind him didn't see or notice the red signal and basically hit his car and he ended up in over 50 spinal surgery and mm. uh, he's now not even able to walk. Uh, so it's 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 like it's, it could happen to anyone at any time. So in order for us to, um, to uh, think about the space, we have to think about it um, more... Um, uh, broadly and more inclusively, that it's something that is um, we all need to think about every single day because um, it's a dramatic shift when someone who's able to see today suddenly is blind, uh, when someone who's able to hear suddenly is deaf. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's it takes a lot and it takes a village to basically get you out of this to to basically live your life again. And imagine if we don't start investing in it and building technology in it, uh, it's going to take even longer to basically um, get you back to work. And today you could see it very clearly in front of us as the data show. 80% uh, unemployment, over 200 million actively looking for a job today with mm -hmm. a disability and not able to find even a, a job. Uh, uh, with the impact of COVID also, it's dramatically um, affected people with disability. Uh, they were the first group to lose their jobs and, and lose it in larger numbers than any other community. Wow. So in terms of potential, what gaps are you seeing now, even in this new space that aren't being addressed, but have uh, have lots of legs? Absolutely. Uh, initially, like even when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about disability technology as if someone is going to help a disabled person be able to have a healthier, happier, uh, productive life. Uh, but the more I got deeper into uh, the space and the more I seen in terms of product, 
uh, my goal as a venture capitalist is to basically think beyond what the entrepreneur is thinking about mm -hmm. and how can we scale this product and and what new innovation will this product be able to bring to our daily life. Uh, so in my conversation with um, one of the beverage companies, for example, um, they were talking to me about their use of a technology that was built um, as um, uh, an extension of someone's arms who lost the ability to use his arm mm -hmm. uh, that allow him to sense uh, something before he grab and uh, and them using this technology to basically stack shelves. So it started as a disability technology, but now it's like some of the tech that is used in warehouses yeah. to stack shelf and to um, and to know which which item missing in a shelf uh, using vision technology as well that allowed them to tell that the shelf is empty and it require this specific item. The shelf is empty and it require this specific item. Yeah. Uh, so there is a, a huge use of this tech beyond um, uh, what we're thinking about today. Uh, for example, the, the, the blind technology I talked about earlier, um, it's, uh, it's 3D scanning um, uh, environment around you. So it allows you to basically integrate that into new solution, into city planning. So you, you could think about it, um, the use cases for this tech is way beyond just supporting someone with a disability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have you noticed if startups focus solely on assisting the disabled have have a difficult time uh, raising funding? And is oh, there absolutely. some ways they can um, overcome that challenge? Absolutely, it's uh, it it is very challenging anyway for even an entrepreneur who's building a tech for all of us uh, to raise capital, uh, and especially minority entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs. Um, they're all struggling to raise capital. So when you add to that, in top of that, a disability, uh, it's even more challenging and or twice as much more challenging. Um, so a lot of the entrepreneurs that I met, uh, they uh, absolutely struggle to raise capital as well. Uh, but um, our goal is to basically help them tell a, a story that it's more compelling and more complete yeah. uh, to entrepreneurs and to be that stepping stone for them. Uh, through their fundraise uh, and help prepare them um, to tell um, uh, the, the financial story also that uh, investors are looking for and be able to show them the opportunity beyond uh, what, is, uh, what is the version of the tech that is being built today and how it will be able to scale it to something uh, that could be used by everyone. Um, uh, I hope and I pray that uh, we're not going to be the only fund in the space. And hopefully in two, three, four years from now, we have like five, 10, 20 investment funds that are focused on the space. Um, as, as you look at fintech, for example, uh, in every corner of the state, we have a, a fund that is focusing on fintech. Mm -hmm. uh, so why not? We should have one that is focusing in the disability space as well, um, especially knowing that it's, it's something that impact all of us, impact our family member. If it doesn't today, it will impact us tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, God forbid, and we have a longer, healthier life and it doesn't impact us so soon. Uh, but it's uh, but it's something that we need to prepare for and we need to think about um, to, uh, as we're building today. And instead of waiting until it's become a crisis and and then um, just try to put fires. Right, right. Well said. And before we go, I wanted to ask you about your current fund. What is the size of the fund? You know, what type of checks are you writing and how can 
you know, potential uh, founders get in contact with you? Absolutely. So we are multiple vehicles. As I mentioned, uh, our structure includes a venture studio. Uh, so we're looking for entrepreneurs at idea stage and pre-seed stage uh, that are building on the space. Uh, we are currently working in building a program for them as well. Uh, our check size from the studio side, it's up to 50K uh, per entrepreneur. And then uh, from this entrepreneur, we'll select a smaller number of entrepreneurs uh, that will receive a larger check of up to 250K through the studio, mm -hmm. and then eventually help to prepare them to open their seed round. And then we will lead that seed round uh, with a million dollar check and then a follow-up check as well to help them through their Series A. Uh, and the reason why we structure it this way is because, um, as you know, in venture capital, yeah, you need multiple funds in order for you to support an entrepreneur through the life cycle of uh, his ideation and his growth and his innovation and his exit. Uh, at Today, I can't say the same for the disability space, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's mean a lot of this work has to fall in us. So I have to be there at the earlier stage. I have to be there at the seed stage. I have to be there at the later stage as well. Uh, and that's why we structured our fund this way. Yeah. Uh, the Venture Studio, uh, Studio One will be a $5 million fund. Uh, Venture Fund One is a $25 million fund. Um, and then we have a foundation as well. So even for entrepreneurs who are building tech, which might not be scalable, uh, we'll still have something for them that we're also working toward launching very soon uh, that will also help give them some grants uh, to help them through their ideation and to give them the structure to build a smaller, small sustainable business until we figure out a way to scale it beyond um, what it's doing today. Awesome. And I know you serve as an advisor to many entrepreneurs. Do you have some advice for founders who are currently in the stage where they're trying to raise money? Yeah, absolutely. There is uh, one one core advice that I, I feel it's missing from a lot of the programs out there. Uh, and it's a, it's a very simple one. Um, it's basically everything that you're working toward today when you're thinking about, uh, even from day one, when you're thinking about a problem that you're trying to solve, uh, start to structure and, and take a record of things that you're doing as you're building and structure them quarterly. Uh, so this way you basically have targets and goals. Uh, you wanna hit every quarter and you don't have to overload yourself as your beginning. You could even start really slow, but the number one thing is don't slow down, um, uh, don't stop. Uh, so you could slow down, but do not stop, like keep progressing step by step, step by step until you have something that is meaningful uh, that it's exciting enough for you to pursue and, and raise capital for. And then you're able, when you meet these investors and, and uh, meet new colleagues that you wanna bring in board to support you with this idea, you're able to tell them the story quarterly, what you have been able to accomplish and the progress that you've been having quarter over quarter. And hopefully you're accelerating quarter over quarter, you're not slowing down. Uh, so this way um, you signal to investor that, 
uh, you're the right entrepreneur that they need to back. Um, and uh, and this way, they're able to also judge you uh, because a lot of the time, uh, investor, especially early stage investor, they don't know how to judge you as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, so by structuring everything you're doing quarterly, uh, you live on the mindset of a financial person that you're talking to, especially an investor, um, and, uh, and, and basically be able to speak that language of quarterly accomplishment and quarterly result and quarterly goal that you plan to hit um so that's a that's a i know it's a it's a little bit complex than a simple advice but it's a, it's very much doable and uh, it's something that i feel like over 90 percent of entrepreneurs i meet I, today are missing it mm -hmm. um uh, unfortunately they're not hearing this advice even in programs that they're joining uh, so i hope they take this advice into heart yeah no that's super advice and thank you for sharing that um, Moaz, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, how can they do so? Yeah, definitely. So we are in Twitter at MVMTVC, uh, our website MVMT.VC. Uh, my own Twitter account is M-O-A-Z. Uh, and uh, uh, feel free to reach out to us, especially if you're building in the space, thinking about building in the space. I uh, would love to hear from you. would love to hear your ideas. Uh, my entire team is looking forward to uh, meeting any entrepreneur who is building on this space. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming by and speaking with us. And you have a great rest of the day, sir. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate the time. No problem.